Hello and welcome. My name is Helen and I'm the outreach coordinator here at WISIS and I use she, her pronouns. I want to start us off in a good way by acknowledging the land we are hosting this episode from. It was just over a year ago that the government of Canada began their ground penetrating radar surveys as per the Truth and Reconciliation Commission to locate unmarked graves at residential school sites. As of May 24th, 2022, there has been a confirmation of 4,130 children who died while at residential schools. Let us not forget the cost to this land we live and take from. Let us honor those that have cared for this land, a land that has supported and continues to support us. We are grateful to be able to do the work that we do here on Treaty 6 land. To the Cree, Blackfoot, Metis, Nakota Sioux, Iroquois, Dene, Ojibwe, Soto, Anishinaabe, and many others whose histories, languages, and cultures continue to influence our vibrant communities, we give thanks for this opportunity to do better. By the time this episode airs, it will be June 2022. That's 27 months into this pandemic. We've spent an inordinate amount of time in our homes, without loved ones, missing celebrations, and binging Netflix shows and Disney Plus movies. You've likely taken on a new hobby or two, like bread baking, crocheting, bird watching, or like a lot of us, scrolling through social media when you get bored. As the majority of folks received their vaccines, you've also likely experienced your city or province open back up. Restaurants, shopping centers, recreation centers, and such are finding ways to resume business and resume a sense of normalcy, despite many of us not feeling like things are really normal yet. I think it's safe to say that the pandemic has influenced all of us in one way or another. We posed a question to students, asking them what it is they're concerned about at this stage of the pandemic, and we got responses ranging from student mental health and how to navigate these times of uncertainty, to how to listen to and talk to people who express vaccine hesitancy, to how to recognize fake news on social media, especially around public health measures, vaccine information, and of COVID prognoses. We've decided to put together a mini-series for the podcast to dive into a few of these topics. At the heart of what we do here at WISIS, we want to raise strong science, technology, engineering, and math leaders. In today's episode, we're going to look at ways in which we can be more responsible with how we engage online and some of the measures that folks at Google are working on to ensure that we receive accurate information. According to a survey done by Common Sense Media in 2019, teenagers are spending anywhere from five to seven and a half hours a day on social media. I can only imagine the amount of time spent on social media has increased during the pandemic, especially because that's where a lot of us turn to, to feel connected with one another. Inevitably, we interact with posts that either intentionally or unintentionally undermine the evidence and advice put out by medical communities around COVID-19. Joining us today is Dr. Vina Netrakanti, a family physician who received her medical degree at the University of Calgary and family medicine training at the University of Alberta. She is now currently a physician who is subcontracted by Google Health, along with 50 other physicians around the world who are supporting Google in delivering medically accurate and easy to understand information surrounding the COVID-19 pandemic. Dr. Netrakanti is also a dedicated WISIS volunteer, so some of our listeners might have actually interacted with her during a role model session. 
and she's a Grade 6 Choices Conference alumni as well. Without further ado, Dr. Veena Detriconti, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much, Helen, for having me. And I'm really excited to speak with you and to all of the wisest students that are listening. Yeah, we're excited to have you today. I'm excited to have our audience actually be able to hear a little bit about what you do and um, a little bit about how the information that we receive on Google sometimes when we're on there doing some Google searches, actually, um, you have some influence over how some of that information gets displayed. So if you don't mind, maybe we'll start off with an introduction to yourself. If you can talk a little bit about your profession, maybe a bit about your background, whatever you feel comfortable sharing. Yes, absolutely. So um, I was actually born in India and my parents and I moved to Edmonton here in Alberta when I was five years old and I grew up in Edmonton. So definitely an Alberta girl at heart. And as you mentioned, I was lucky enough to go to the Choices Conference as a sixth grade student. So I've been involved uh, with WISES for a really long time. And I still remember some of the projects we did that day. I think we had to build a standalone structure using only paper. So it was a really fun and cool little mini engineering project. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, I did all my schooling here in Alberta. And um, after finishing up with residency training, I was lucky enough to work in both outpatient and inpatient settings as a family doctor, mostly in the Edmonton area itself. And I particularly took an interest in the field of geriatrics, which is care of the elderly. So just as pediatrics is care of children and infants, geriatrics is primarily focused on caring for individuals who are 65 and older. So obviously, when the COVID-19 pandemic began, um, I think almost everyone out there, including I hope the students who are listening today will have heard that that is a very vulnerable population. So I was very interested in learning as much as I could about COVID-19 and how to get as much accurate information to not only patients, but also to um, other healthcare professionals and quite honestly, myself as well. So I was lucky enough to be able to connect with an organization called Medcase, which, as you mentioned, is a subcontractor with Google Health, and really learn how to look at COVID-19-related information as um, critical and analytical way as possible, but also really interestingly to have it be geared towards just regular people, not have it geared towards Um, healthcare professionals, but just have it geared towards anybody out there who wants to learn more. So I have been doing that for the last one year now, and I'm really excited to be able to hopefully talk about all of the information out there and how students can kind of sort through it. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. And before meeting you, I didn't even realize that Google has a team of specialists behind the scenes. And I would imagine in a lot of other fields, they have teams of specialists speaking to um, that kind of content, whatever expert you are of that content. So um, can you tell us a little bit more about what's happening behind the scenes at Google to make sure we're getting the most accurate information? And what does your involvement look like as a physician who is part of this subcontracted team as a part of Google Health? What do you do? Yeah, absolutely. So how it works basically is that, uh, as you mentioned earlier, Helen, there are about 50 of us. and Uh, We are a team of physicians, healthcare practitioners all over the world, actually. So 
not just based here in Canada, but in the United States, Europe, Asia, and crucially, people who generally speak English as well as another language, because obviously Google users speak all kinds of languages and read and write in all kinds of languages. So basically, any technology company, including Google, can't really control what's on any individual website or what some individual person might choose to put on their blog or perhaps on their social media channel, but they can control certain things. So there are certain results that will pop up right at the top of your Google search. So whether you search for information about COVID-19 or about the newest Marvel movie or whatever, certain information is going to pop up right at the top. And these are actually Google-controlled products. Uh, there are certain questions, certain resources, local and national, that are going to come right at the top of your search. And how it basically works is there is a very large team, more than 50 people. It's got to be in the hundreds of curators who are experts in these particular languages, but may not be medical experts. And they kind of winnow down either websites or snippets of websites. So perhaps answers to certain COVID-19 related questions, such as which vaccines are currently approved for COVID-19 in Canada. And they will kind of winnow those down into either a web page or just a question and answer pair. So it might be a question that they found that a lot of people are typing into the Google search bar and answers from either government websites or news websites that seem to be answering that question. And where we come in on the back end is after the curators have basically done 95% of the work of winnowing down reams of information, they will ask us, oh, this seems like it's COVID-19 and like it's medically related. So there's a lot of questions out there that are about leave policies or about obtaining benefits from the government if you have to take time off because you test positive. Those are COVID-19 related, but they're not medical. So generally, we don't get to see those. But if it's related to which vaccines are approved in Canada, how effective are the vaccines, which medications are approved in Canada for treating COVID-19, or um, about what side effects could you expect from vaccines, or what are the symptoms of COVID-19 or the various variants, that gets passed on to us. And then we just go through item by item and say, does that seem accurate? Does it seem actionable? So is it something that a person might act upon if they saw it? Um, is it up to date? Is it something that happened a year ago? Or is it something that is still up to date right now? And if we say yes, then generally it gets passed on to an even more senior physician reviewer than me. Um, and if they approve it as well, then it goes what Google calls a live on the product. And it's going to then appear in one of those Google products right at the top of your search page. Um, and same thing for websites, even national or local government resources. Generally, um, Google is looking to display things that are accurate and up to date. So we might even go and look at, say, the government of Alberta's website, which is really generally very accurate. <laughs> But there might be certain governments around the world which may not be as accurate. So if it's not, then we might advise, okay, let's pass this on to a senior reviewer and think about how close to the top do you want it to come up. So basically, in simple terms, the goal is to have things crop up that are accurate and up to date for mm -hmm. all of the Google users around the world. Yeah. And when I learned of that, 
I thought back to all those times how useful those products were because I have interacted. I mean, I solely use Google for my web searches, really. And um, when you type something in like, yeah, what are COVID symptoms? Um, you have a curated list that Google has put together. They've synthesized information from different websites and they link you to it, but they summarize exactly the information that you're looking for, which cuts down on the amount of time that you really need to go in and sift through that information yourself. So that's been really helpful for users like myself. Um, and I'm sure many of our listeners have experienced that and have interacted with those products as well. But it's really interesting to know um, and it's crucial to know that Google is prioritizing the experts of that field um, to make sure and to actually vet that information to make sure that it's accurate and medically sound. Um, because although, you know, it could be Bob who's writing some sort of blog article claiming certain things, um, but, you know, the weight in which people actually see those posts versus the posts that are published by governments, by medical professionals, um, Google's able to prioritize what kind of shows up on someone's Google search, right? So um, I'm curious then, you know, what is the hope of Google Health in terms of being able to offer these kinds of products to users? So our overarching goal, and I really like it because our team at MedCase has put a little motto or logo on it. So it's easier for me to explain. It's to present users worldwide with information that's accurate, up-to-date, and if necessary, actionable. And I think the actionable part is really important to focus on. One of the things that the physician trainers said to me when I started doing this last year was, okay, imagine that if you were talking to a patient, the only information they would see is that little snippet, that one question and answer pair, or that one website, or that one part of the website, would you be okay with that if not only they heard it, believed it, but acted upon it? If they mm. acted upon it, would you be okay with that? Would you feel okay with that as a healthcare practitioner? And I think that actionable part is what's really important. So whatever we approve, and of course, technology is going to be technology, and maybe it doesn't always work out perfectly, and things always slip through the cracks. But ideally, we'd really like if that information, um, if someone were to act upon it, it would be something in the best interests of their health. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that that is the goal. Information that's accurate, that's as up to date as possible, and that's usable and relevant for just regular people, no matter their background, no matter their education level. I love that because it simples down the concepts of, you know, what criteria you're using to filter this information, because there's so many perspectives and aspects you can take in terms of how you critically look at information. Um, but I really like that that's how your team focuses on the task at hand. I realized that your involvement with Google Health uh, in this past year hasn't been the only time you've had to really get up to speed on how to develop a critical lens of how to look at something and say, hey, is this real? Is this accurate? Is this up to date? Most of your medical career likely has been um, part of the process of curating that critical lens that you use to filter information from a medical perspective. How did you develop that? Can you talk a little bit about that process of how do you as a medical professional go and take this information and ensure that you have a critical lens when you're consuming information for yourself, you know, in a personal sense and in a professional sense, 
but how you also share that information. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think any healthcare practitioner is immune. We're just people at the end of the day. And some of my family members are healthcare practitioners and some of my friends, of course, are. And certainly we still have um, information that we hear. Oh, I heard this from someone or I heard that from someone. And we can be as susceptible to misinformation or disinformation or just hearing a rumor and kind of getting carried away with it as anyone. So absolutely. I think both personally and professionally, there are a few things that have really helped me out over the years. And the first important thing that I think uh, hopefully students can take away with them is first, be curious about the information that you're hearing, right? And just be open, be curious, and listen to it. And I think that's helped so much, whether it's a patient coming to you with something they found on Google or on a website, or whether it's a colleague saying something to you, and maybe it's unexpected, and you're thinking, oh, this doesn't seem like it's going to work, or this seems like it's coming from out of nowhere, this goes against what I learned in medical school. So the first I would say is be curious and listen. And just take a moment, be open, listen to what anyone has to say, listen to where they're coming from. Um, the second thing I think is really important is ask questions. Ask questions and inform yourself. There are so many things I don't know anything about, and I have to speak with a colleague, whether that's another doctor, whether that is a, a pharmacist, a nurse, a dentist. There's so many things I don't know um, about and I do that all the time. So I would say, ask questions, ask questions about um, something that sounds different. Ask where they're coming from. What are their sources? Again, maybe that's a patient. Maybe that's just asking about their perspective and where they heard something, but it could also be all the way up to learning about a new treatment and going right into evidence-based medicine. So that would be the next step that I try to take is just to ask questions and find out more. And I think the last thing that is really important is don't discount your own feelings and emotions and thoughts. If something sounds too good to be true, if something sounds too extreme, well, chances are that it just might be. And maybe it's not. Maybe it really isn't. Maybe you just need to sit with it and think about it for another day. But um, I just try to apply that to information that I hear. And like um, I mentioned, I especially try to do it if I'm talking to someone from a patient perspective or just a regular person who might be a family member or a friend who's asking about the COVID vaccine or about COVID itself, treatments. I try not to come at it straight from being like, I have um, a set idea in my mind. Uh, I try to be at least open and curious to start off with, ask questions, and then try not to discount my feelings. So hopefully that leads to giving as realistic of a picture as possible to anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that openness is so important because it also presents you as someone who just wants to be approachable and friendly and wants to relate. And I think that really draws people in to say, okay, you're invested in who I am and the concerns that I have, as opposed to saying, I have a medical degree and these are the answers to everything, you know, and not being flexible around that. So thanks for sharing that. Right now, as I shared earlier, you know, students in 2019 from a survey were spending anywhere from five to seven and a half hours a day on social media, just scrolling, putting content together and interacting in some sort of manner on social media. 
And we have seen it through these past few years of the pandemic where misinformation can spread like wildfire on these platforms. And you talked a little bit about establishing that gut feeling and listening to that gut feeling that you have. Um, I kind of like to call it spidey senses sometimes. Um, But how can we establish some of those spidey senses about what is fake and what is real within this culture of, you know, quick information consumption? People aren't really spending a lot of time kind of verifying that information. They're just scrolling, 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 and they see these things and they start to adopt and believe some of the things that are being shared without actually going and looking or asking those questions and verifying what they're seeing. Um, what are some of your tips and tricks for establishing, you know, a healthy spidey sense? Yeah, well, I think it just goes back to what we were talking about before. I think trusting your uh, gut instinct is really important, but maybe let's get a little deeper. How do you even get that gut instinct or spidey sense, as you mentioned, for what might be right or wrong? Uh, again, if something seems maybe too good to be true or too extreme, especially if it's related to the pandemic or any health information, that's definitely something that would send my spidey sense kind of tingling. Um, I think the students who are listening are all going to be possibly interested in science or technology and are hopefully starting to develop that in the back of their minds that science usually isn't so concrete or extreme. It's usually not a hundred percent thing. It's usually not this treatment is 100% effective in everybody. Or if you do this, you definitely won't get COVID. Or if you do this, you definitely will get COVID. Um, It's usually a lot more of a balanced picture than that. So something that for me that would definitely get my spidey sense tingling that, oh, I'm not sure if this is correct. And maybe I want to dig a little deeper and find out more is, does this just seem too extreme with no balance? Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing that I would really look at is, where does this seem to be coming from? Where's the source of this information? And this is by no means to say that just because a doctor says it is necessarily true. But um, I think looking at whether it's a blog that an individual wrote, well, that might be fine. It could be accurate, but were they willing to put their name on it? Or is it something that's shared anonymously on Instagram or Facebook and you just don't even know where the source is? So I just um, ask our students listening to look at where is it coming from? Who's the source? Um, If they have credentials, what are they? And again, that's not to say that they need to have X degree or Y degree to be believed. But usually when people feel good about the information they're sharing online, they'll put their name on it and they'll say, this is who I am and I stand behind it. So I think those are just two really simple things that should get those senses tingling Mm -hmm. if something's not quite right. Yeah. And actually, I think that point about sources is really important. Sometimes the websites that uh, look like they're from reputable sources sometimes are actually, you know, fake website domains. Knowing where your information is coming from, doing just a quick search to make sure that you're getting information from a reputable site is important. And I like how you said, you know, if somebody is proud about it and confident about the things that they're claiming, they likely don't have an issue with putting their name behind and their credentials as well. Uh, They want to make sure that information gets out in a responsible manner. So thank you for sharing more information on those tips and tricks on how to develop those spidey senses. 
I know that our students are interacting with more than maybe just social media and these online spaces. Sometimes they're on YouTube with news outlets, you know, getting information there as well, and also through articles and blog posts. Do you have any additional tips and tricks that you can share with our students about how they can um, create a better critical lens in assessing whether something is fact versus fiction? Yeah, absolutely. So in addition to seeing if the information presented is relatively balanced or relatively extreme, as well as seeing where it's been posted or where it's been shared and by whom, and maybe even having the opportunity to check the credentials if there's an actual author or if it's a video, the person in the video, um, seeing what their credentials might be. I think a couple of really helpful additional tips are um, checking, first of all, the date of the article and when it was written, or if it's a video, uh, when was the video posted? Certainly anything related to scientific information and medical information, it may have been accurate at a certain date, absolutely, but five years may have passed or two years may have passed. If it's COVID, it might be three months that have passed. Um, we often find uh, when we're reviewing Google information that things like which variant is dominant in a certain country at a certain time or how much of the population has been um, infected or tested positive, those things tend to change very rapidly. So even on the Google end, keeping those sources as up to date as in within the last two or three days is actually really important. So Something as simple as checking the date of when something was published. And if it's more than maybe three months old and it's a topic that's changing very quickly, that would be something to take into account. Checking, again, something really quick and easy, but I never thought about this before I started working with the Google team is, does the content match the headline that's been posted? So again, whether it's the video uh, name or whether it's the headline of the news article, sometimes the article itself or the video itself is quite balanced, very scientifically based, but the headline might say, treatment found not effective for treating X condition. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh my goodness. Well, am I just looking at the headline and then assuming that treatment is not effective? Or am I actually going through the article and it's very nuanced and it says, well, in these conditions, it might not work for these patients. So I think something to really look at is, Am I actually looking at the content or am I looking at the headline and just taking that as the only thing it has to say? Um, so I think those are some really important additional tips that I try to do um, when I'm just looking at any information, whether it's COVID related or not. And I think last but not least is ask yourself who might benefit if the information presented here is true. And to go back to what we were talking about earlier, not just true, but if a lot of people acted on it, who would benefit from that? So things like perhaps taking um, a vaccine that the government is recommending, we can try to sit and think about who that might benefit. Would that benefit the public at large? Would that benefit the government? But how would it benefit the government versus maybe um, a treatment or um, an advertisement for something that says, well, you know, if you take this, you're definitely never going to get COVID-19. And just think about, well, if everyone in the country were to go out and buy that, who might that benefit? So I think those are just a few ways that students can look at information, whether it's on social media, YouTube, 
a website, a blog, a news channel, really through any medium and just think, okay, I can use these uh, certain little tips and tricks to try to figure out whether something seems accurate. And of course, from there, please go deeper. Feel free to ask your healthcare practitioner, your mentors, your professors, uh, people who you trust and have good relationships with and who have your best interests at heart. Um, you can certainly go further and ask them. But I think those are the main things that I've come to realize and certainly not things I knew before. All of these things are things I've learned through the course of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I really hope that our listeners can take that and uh, really apply it to how they engage online. Those are some really great tips and tricks. And I know some of these things we might already know. They're really good reminders for us to keep ourselves in check and have a balanced approach to anything that seems sensational. It's too good to be true, too crazy, too extreme. So thank you for that. So. I guess to wrap it up, uh, what would you like listeners to leave this episode knowing and being inspired to do, knowing that sometimes it takes a little bit of a digging from our end to get real answers, accurate information? Um, What is it that you'd like our listeners to leave knowing? I hope that the students who are listening today and young people generally feel empowered to think about, discuss, and ask questions about health-related information and any information. I hope they feel empowered to be curious and to ask questions um, about some of the things we've talked about today. But just in general, I remember being a student so vividly at every stage that I've been a student. And sometimes you feel hesitant that, should I be asking this question? Is this a silly question? Does everyone already know this? But I've always said there is no such thing as a silly question or a pointless question. I think they're all valid. And I really hope that students feel empowered to ask those questions and to trust their instincts and to say, okay, if that information seems a little bit off, who can I ask? And I hope through an organization like WISIS that they feel connected to other students who I sometimes feel can be the best sources of information for people their own age, um, as well as maybe some mentors. I know I've met some really great professionals in other fields as well as students working towards being professionals. And I feel a lot better knowing, oh, if I have a question about the bridge that they're building here in Edmonton, there are some engineers I've met um, at Wisest and I would feel more comfortable asking them about, does this seem crazy or or is this a good plan? So I hope they also feel empowered to go out there and find mentors, whether they're peer mentors or people a little bit older than them. And that can be a great resource to ask questions about, like, I heard this information and it's maybe not sounding great. So I just hope students feel kind of a little bit more confident in themselves. Well, thank you so much for spending the time to chat a little bit more about what you do at Google Health, how you're helping all of us, you know, who utilizes Google to get our COVID information from how you're really helping us to get accurate information, up-to-date information, and Um, information that leads to potential action, you know. So thank you so much for the work that you do. And thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much, Helen. It was my pleasure to be here. And I really hope that this is going to be informative for all the students listening. I hope that you, our listeners, are able to take away a few tips and tricks 
on how to be more critical consumers and spreaders of information from this episode. We'd love it if you could share this episode with one other person to help us expand our reach. Make sure to stay in the know about the Wisest STEM podcast by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts from. If you'd like to stay updated on programs that Wisest offers, consider subscribing to our monthly e-newsletter or following us on social media. You can find all of that information in the description below. And that's it for now. See you next time. Thank you.